everybody. Welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Hello. 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 Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Brand Wound Pickups. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. I don't know why we did that. We were just being silly. It's hope fun. You, hope you liked our silliness. We're having fun. Uh, we are happy that you are with us, listening uh, to the smooth, sultry sounds of the guitar knobs. Mm. Yeah, mm, baby. Uh, we got some fun ahead for us. It's me, it's Jared, it's Tony. Mike is, I think Mike's on a date or something. He's in communicado. He's trying really hard to get, I think he's trying to get married. I'm not sure. Was he in Kentucky? <laughs> he was in Kentucky before. He's probably going to be furious. When he <laughs> he's trying to get married. Oh, well, I don't know. Anyhow, uh, let's get on with the show. We don't have a whole lot uh, up front, um, but we got this. I would like to talk to each and every one of our listeners. You are. And subscribers. And my fellow guitar knobs. Four score and 20 years ago, <laughs> the guitar knobs was established to help bring enlightenment out of the dark ages of guitars. You sound like a like a, an old mobster trying to wax philosophical at, at that a dinner likes or something. Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. <laughs> wax poetically. Yeah. Well, anyhow, listen, if you if, if if everybody out there really likes what we're doing, we certainly like it. I know Jared does. I, I know it. Todd does. I love it. Occasionally Mike does, but he's not here. Right. Um we could use some help. We could use your support. We would like you to become a patron on patreon.com. Yeah. I'm told it's very easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, simple couple of clicks and you're in and you sponsor and you can go anywhere from a uh, the cost of a, of, a, of a guitar pick all the way up to kind of the sky's the limit. Cost and of a couple of guitar picks. A couple of guitar fair. picks. I mean, it's not like yeah. we're, we're, you know. Forego your Starbucks and you're helping us out greatly. A dozen donuts. Ooh. Yeah. A dozen donuts. That sounds As I said in a different episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in higher levels, I understand also uh, come got, with, with special gifts, yeah, including things gifts. like a, a, a beautiful Halloween-inspired... It's not Halloween. It's just our, that's our it's colors. It's black and orange. <laughs> he finally said <laughs> I find It's a great color, man. It's, it's a great it shirt. It looks great. I've got mine it's a good on. good shirt. It, it it's looks comfortable. Yeah. You can also get a Brandon Wild shirt, too. And Todd actually helped me design that. It's a great looking shirt. That's a good looking shirt. Yeah. So um, I, I guess what you need to do, go to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. And check it out, you know, um, support whatever way you can. We'd appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to continuing this, this beautiful service that we're, we're, that we're doing just for you. We really like doing it on our, and we on do our own too. time. Yes, All rise. Time. Okay. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> All right. What's going on with the guitar world this week, everybody? Jared, go. Okay. So I loaned Todd my... Um, Red House pedal. I forgot what it's called already. <laughs> the What is it called? The what? My pedal that I loaned the, I Well, I call it the Sahara. That's Or the Sonora. But that's what it is. <laughs> he's going to really kill me. No, it's it's the Heat Wave. That's right. It the is heat the wave Heat Wave tremolo. Boop, yeah. Boop, boop, the Red House boop, boop, that I bought from uh, 
our boy Mike that's not here. I love that trend pedal, and I loaned it to Todd because he he had some uh, things that he wanted to try out or whatever. So I had an empty space in my in my pedal setup, and right next to that was my um, it was my uh, tube screamer pedal made by Maxon, and it's it's just a regular everyday tube screamer green tube screamer was the the 908 or the 808 or whatever it is TS808 TS808 I'm so, oh yeah that's that's what it is so i got my ibanez TS808 and i put it right next to it but i turned the settings way low so instead of having one tube screamer i have two uh and but the two are set up totally different as far as levels and and uh you know saturation or whatever the things are called but uh yeah that's what i did and i really like that i like that a lot um because you can go from kind of fuzzy you know just kind of just a little tiny hair on it to just full bore so and how about when you put them both on at the same time and then it's you just got to hold on for dear life right but uh yeah, I'm, I'm just having fun with my my current setup, pedal setup right now. Um, nice. Yeah, but uh, it's a good time. That's pretty much what I did guitar-wise. You don't want to hear about the other boring stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Tony. All right, this is installment three of the Bacon Belmont saga. So in addition to... You're pulling to- a Jared. <laughs> right. <laughs> just wait till the pickups did you, come you in. Ta- did you take it to K to get it painted? <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> <That's> oh, Dacron. <laughs> don't make fun of that guy, man. There's a luthier up in Akron. <laughs> okay. We're just kidding. Yeah. He's plugged yeah. in, man. Yeah. He's plugged in. He's a good guy. We're just giving Jerry um, business. So anyhow, uh, I think last week we talked about the, the Bacon Belmont. Has it sparkled? It has not sparkled. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. Because Lay's Guitar Shop can sparkle for you. Yeah. Nice. He has a sparkle gun. Yeah. So anyhow, so I uh, parts are coming in. I'm still waiting on pickups and a couple of other things. But this I, is in our presence, and it is pretty rad. I I will attest to that. So to review, it's like a I I'm placing it around 1954, based on the catalog reprint from Montgomery Wards that I was able to find. But it is a Gretsch made um, catalog guitar instrument called a Bacon Belmont, and it's a spruce top, arch top, maple back. So think. Iconic model, think. Well, it would have been, uh, Gretsch had a model similar to it, like a, a, a hollow body Corvette. Um, I think the actual equivalent model was a 6188. I mean, there's an Epiphone that looks almost identical yeah. to that. I'm yeah, sure. so it's a non-cutaway. Um, full hollow body. Full hollow body arch top. Think Chet Atkins and your money. It's a jazz guitar, right? I mean, yeah, I guess you could say. Yeah, jazzy country. Kind of a jazzy I can't box. believe that that guitar was a catalog guitar. Yeah. I mean, that is a... a lot of guitars were catalog guitars. Beautiful guitar. Then, well, you know, I... Well made. Um, it looks like this one, here's, here's the reprint. It was in 1954, 
was $159.95. Which that's a would lot be of money what, back then. Which would so be what today? Today's dollars, that's, that's, that's like $1,000. It's like $1,400. Yeah, it's, that's like $1,400, like I said. Yeah. I could see that then, because that is a very beautiful, well-built guitar. Yeah. So, anyhow, um, so I've, I've been piecing that back together, got it strung up. I wanted to make sure that it was... Uh, worthy of putting more time and money into, which I think that it is. It's uh-huh. going to yeah, need totally. some fret work. Um, Not I've got much. S- it, that neck's in wicked good shape. The neck's been pretty good. But interestingly, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, there is no truss rod in No, this, this neck. is the neck podcast. I forgot to tell everybody. <laughs> no, for real, it is. And what I did for the week is lame compared to this so far so please I continue i don't think so no i don't think so <laughs> it's all good it's so all guitar stuff um i mean i i have i've had at least two other guitars um that have not had truss rods in them for various reasons and one of them is a replica of the leo fender's snakehead which was his first telecast basically a telecaster prototype yeah his original next did not have truss rods nor did he ever want to put truss rods in them until his marketing and sales department uh, said, you have to put a truss rod in it. Everybody else has truss rods. Right. Um, so I found that kind of interesting. Now, in some cases, it's limiting. Um, in this case, you have to be careful what gauge strings you put on. Now, I would have loved to put 12 to 52s on this one, um, but I had to go wow. step it back to 11 to 48s, um, only because the heavier the strings, the more pull is going to be on the neck. So you kind of have to counterbalance it. Are you doing a wound B? G. G. Uh, I, I well, do I not mean, have I a wound G on it I wound B, yet. too. Well, I don't think you can have a wound AKA B. A.K.A. Sure. wound third. I mean, for you, Todd, I could put a wound <laughs> B on it for you. But G, I mean, what, what, uh, what Todd is talking about is uh, heavier string sets or even acoustic guitars generally have a wound G, meaning it has wraps around it instead of a plain steel or uh, mm-hmm. or whatever it happens to be, the material-wise. So uh, originally, I mean, back in the 50s, 12 to 52 was kind of light-gauge strings back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people started going to lighter and lighter and uh, using banjo strings and different things like that. So then companies like Ernie Ball and others started making... 11 gauge, 10 gauge, 9 gauge, even 8 gauge. And I think. I mean, what is the point really at that point? At that point, yeah. Yeah. Just don't play. Yeah. <laughs> just, just look at the guitar. Yeah. Use your mental powers. Yeah. So, anyhow, um, I'm excited about it. It's a cool guitar. I love playing guitars that are older than me because that's becoming a rarity these days. <laughs> it's in really good shape. I yeah. mean, it is in stunning shape. Yeah, you stole that thing, man. That is yeah. a great guitar. Well, you know, as I, as I said originally, it was mislabeled as a 1961 blah, 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 blah. And uh, luckily, I did some research prior to bidding on it. And uh, I've seen that a lot recently. I, I, I've shared a few things over with you. Uh, Tony on, you know, via Craigslist. Yeah. You know, I'm because I'm I I can't get off of Craigslist. (laughs) There's got to be a support group or something. Um, Craigslist Anonymous. Between Craigslist and Reverb, I'm I'm doomed. Yeah. And uh, I've sent him things like, you know, it's like 1145 and I'm like, hey, look at this one. (laughs) What do you think this is? This mismarked, you know, and uh, it was. It was off by, I think the last one was off by like 20 years. Oh, yeah. I don't know if the marketing team had a little too much brandy 
when they were thinking of names, but Bacon is a fantastic name for a guitar. I do you really well, I don't think it's for Bacon the Meat. I'm thinking it Yeah, that goes back and there was actually a company called Bacon and Day uh that Gretsch bought the company in the So 1940s that's probably somebody's last name. Probably yeah, Bacon and Day. Um, I'm thinking about sizzling scrumptious bacon right now. Yeah. Well, do you, do you like the thick cut with pepper? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's that's, uh, that's what I think Again, about when I see that. If it's not, then it's the eight string, eight gauge strings. Like, what is the right. point? Yes. Okay. So, so anyhow, anyways, so, that, that, nice so that's what I've been doing, and uh, I promise I won't draw this one out. Once I, I'm, the I hard, don't know. It's uh, you kind of well, already. Well, <laughs> I like flogging dead <laughs> horses and such. Tony did come to me and ask me to build pickups for this thing, and I yeah. said. What was originally in this guitar is way too inc- inc- blah, 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 blah. Um, intricate. intricate for me. So Why? Well, these would have been uh, like the D'Armond uh, uh, Dynasonics. Yeah, you, you need screws, springs, and you need little harnesses around the magnets. Um, it's, they're really... It's, it's a really intricate because you turn the screw, and that raises and lowers the little magnet pull pieces. Yeah. yeah. So okay. It's, Ken it's, Armstrong, right? No, no, it, no, no. Uh, Armand. No, 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 no. Who makes them now? Oh, TV Jones. TV Jones makes them. Okay. Yeah, Tom does a really good job on on replicating those. I think he actually replicated them for Gretsch, right? Uh, when they were making the Japanese model. And I think I I've, I've worked on one of those, and uh, they did a really good job remaking those pickups. By yeah. the way. Yeah. So I wanted. And the Armands were on. originally made in Toledo. That's right. And I, I, I just wanted to give him a shout out. Good job. You know, that's why I wanted to say that. So, well, hmm. th- yeah, I th- I'm sure he appreciates that. He's a good guy. So that, that was that was my week. How about you, Todd? What was your week like? Um, my guitar stuff was not related directly to a specific piece of equipment or anything. But, you know, guitars are meant for playing. And I had a particularly really, really, really awful, no good, very bad day this week. Uh, I came home and often what I will do when I, when I just can't figure out some, you know, you have those days and you're like, you don't know what to do. You get stuck and and you just end up like wandering the house or, or wandering from standing place to standing place. And you're walking around aimlessly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whenever I kind of get those feels, I'm like, look, I'm just going to pick up a guitar and, just exercise some of the demons. Um, <laughs> yeah. Demons and uh, oftentimes when I do that, something really good comes out. This particular day, something good wasn't really coming out. It was as crap as the, the rest of my day. Mm. But instead of putting it down, I just, I kept playing and I kept playing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of let, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to let something happen. And something awesome happened. And it is now the or my band's favorite riff moving forward. So I was really, really happy. I like over the moon that that actually cool. came. So out of the dust rose a phoenix of a great riff. And so my point being is that sometimes we expect too much out of ourselves when we are playing or just noodling and you know, there's we're surrounded by greatness in the guitar world, and sometimes greatness does not want to come out and play. 
but keep playing. If nothing else, just have a really good time while you're doing it. You'll benefit. You'll have a better, whatever you're doing previous to that will be better as a result. That's it. That's my PSA for the day. That's public service announcement, Jared. Thank you. I need to practice too. Todd. Yeah. You know, you're good enough and you're smart enough. I think that's copyrighted. Don't go any further. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's like a legal guy now. Right? I'm not. <laughs> I, well, I've, had to, I've had to learn a lot doing this. I, I will say that. So let's see. We are going to be, we don't have a four on the floor this week. At some point in time, I might do a four on the floor. But I kind of I kind of feel like I shouldn't yeah. because I kind of, I'm got to be the open one, I guess, maybe. Yeah. The unpaid you're, you're down the one. neutral guy. I'm the neutral guy. Honestly, yeah. I don't know if you actually have one because I I think you like to rotate. I like I I do, but now with I think maybe once I nail down the last couple for this new band, then I'll do it. I'll do a four on the floor. Okay. See? I'm close. I'm close. I knew it. Let's see here. We are going to be talking about necks. There's a lot to be said about necks. And a lot that I don't know about necks. I know enough about necks. I think I know some stuff about necks. Necks are kind of a interesting thing. There's it is a thing that most people when they're like, I'm, I'm gonna build a guitar. Oh, what are you gonna do with a neck? I'm gonna buy one. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Necks are voodoo. And some people do them really, really well. Some people don't. Some people it takes them forever. Some people have many, many variations. Some never stray once they figure out their secret recipe. So uh, neck is is the thing that you're probably most intimate with Ooh. on the guitar, just as far as like it's the thing that you have the most contact with, that you that you instantly, when you pick up a guitar, if you just picked up a guitar and 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 strummed it, you didn't hold it with your right or if you're weird a left hand. Uh, no, my, I've got lots of friends who are left-handed, and you, and you just played it. It would there there probably isn't as much of a differentiating factor in just holding the body of the guitar and strumming it as. But until you put your hand on that neck, as soon as you hit the neck, you're like, nope, or yep, right. or exactly. eh, you know, guitars are bought and sold on if you like the neck or not. How they feel? Yeah. I'm sure we've all owned guitars that. You know, we said, "Oh, that neck felt really good," mm-hmm. or "or it plays really well." That's yeah. one of the main things that I look at on a guitar. If it's got a neck that I really, 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 really like, mm-hmm. I'll buy the guitar. Yeah, I would. That will be a deciding factor. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some of the things that make up those feels, and I'm in the presence of two guys that know a crap ton more about guitar history, model history than I do. I'm more of a current fella than these two chaps, but... He's a current um, fella. I'm a current fella. But uh, so, guys, where, do, where are we starting? Well... Tony. I guess, why don't we start with some of the basic characteristics? Okay. Um, Let, well, let's identify the anatomy. Let's identify the anatomy. Yeah. So Love. we got shape, scale, radius, and frets. Yeah. So we're so right now we're officially talking about necks. That's right. Well, let you know we're officially talking about neck shape. That's right. The neck <laughs> I'm shape. I'm just trying to give us some kind feel. of like chapter cue. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so let's talk about shape. By the way, the only thing I can see in my head is George Costanza's dad going, 
You got your A, you got your B, <laughs> you got your C. <laughs> D is the biggest. D is the biggest. <laughs> That's so great. Uh, well, uh, there are so many variables. There are uh, a number of different ones. One is uh, uh, a, a V-shaped. Mm-hmm. Which kind of feels like it's got kind of that's a bit of an older yeah I mean that would have been typically, a lot of old parlor guitars have uh, V neck shapes right and and a lot of early Fenders had had uh, V and some I actually softness. like a V I kind of like a soft V I, I'm I'm not as comfortable with that um, there's a uh, uh, a C shaped mm-hmm. which if you think about like the letter C kind of on its back right they're all letters they're all letters yeah they're basically. To. Um, there's a D shaped, which is basically a C, but it has a little longer. It's a little fuller neck, almost yeah. like a baseball or, or bat. Or think about a D. Or uh, like the a D, D on its back. <laughs> yes. And um, and then there are some that are just variations Offset thereof. Offset D. Yeah, I mean there are some that that are, are com- you know which compounds. I believe that's what uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan played, right? I think he played a. Um, uh, it was probably a V towards the 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 nut and. Worked its way up into a yeah into his, a more of a C profile. Like, yeah, yeah. There's that's asymmetrical. Yeah, asymmetric. That's what I meant. Yeah. Well, offset asymmetric. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Potato, potato. Potato, potato. But uh, so I, I think in the player's hand. Well, you're mentioning compounds too. So some start out as some a, start as out a D at and one go point, to C. Some yeah, people start or stop out as a V. And, right. And and some people actually uh, take a neck. And kind of sand it down yeah, to their do to that. their own to their own I've done that feel on a couple. Speci- you know, or sometimes it's a little too thick and they want to thin it down a little mm-hmm. bit. So to me, that's probably the biggest feel difference in a neck. What my hands like mm-hmm. and what I like personally is you got to yeah yeah. Now you're talking right. my language. I like early's. I like early, uh, which is known as the the early '60s uh, profile that Gibson has, which is a, it's a wide neck, but but thin. It's not. It's not a lot of meat on the back. Not a lot of meat on the back at all. Is that a D? Typically a D profile. C, pretty much. It's yeah. Yeah, like '60s a, '60s a Fender C. or or. Uh, Gibson. Gibson. And back then... Yeah, C-profile. Back then, they a were soft all... soft C. They not, were all not handmade, a, yeah, not too. A, not a pointy C. Not a pointy C. They were all hand, like, sanded and, and you and know... And they still are. Yeah, I mean, once you find something, you really... And I like to close my eyes, feel the neck, He's play doing the that guitar. Right now, everybody. I'm doing it right now because it's just the motion I go through, and I really like the guitar. That's that's what I personally like. You You've... You kind of got to find necks that you like. Now I have a Fender neck, and I, I'm not sure exact what the what the shape is, um, but it, uh, there aren't very many Fender necks that I like. Um, you, you like those, like the Japanese thinner. The Japanese necks I like a lot, yeah. And even some Mexican-made uh, Fenders have, like the uh, the Fender Deluxe that I have with the wide range pickups. That neck is just fantastic okay. so if i'm sitting here driving and i'm like look i don't know a crap ton about necks and you're like well the japanese neck oh the mexican neck a neck's a neck what are if they're both c-shape let's say they're the your your fender's a, a c-shaped neck mm-hmm. okay 
but you're saying, oh, yeah, but the Japanese ones, oh, yeah, but what the Mexican. <laughs> so, like, what's the, what are we really talking about? What's the difference? Well, I think what's what uh, I mean, the uh, Japanese made fenders, for yes. instance, were originally not supposed to make it back to the United States. Okay. They were designed for Japanese players mm-hmm. with smaller hands. Excuse me? I did not know that. 30 yeah. years guitar playing, and that's the first I've ever heard of that. You didn't that's know that. J- that's just crazy. so we're, you know, making it clear, when we're saying thin, I don't want that to get confused with narrow. That is literally the amount of meat on the back of the neck that's sitting in the palm of your hand. Yeah, Compared basically the from the, from right. the, the top, right. from the fretboard down to the bottom. Right. right. So, when so, so when someone says, oh, it's a shredder style neck, it is, it, you're, you're, thumb is very very close to the fretboard right if you're using a baseball bat or a boat or neck your thumb is pretty far away yeah you know so just take your hand make a claw shape out and thin (laughs) is close together and (laughs) boat or is very far apart i am in no means a shredder guy but i just really like the the feel of those necks that's why i bought that uh, les paul jr that has the yeah yeah you're a nice Guitars are essentially the same. I think that is a wise way to go about buying an instrument. Absolutely. Because, I mean, mean, I've done it. Sometimes I buy them sight unseen. But the guitars that I really like and I want to spend money on, I always play first. Right. Because it's old school. I've had some really, really great guitars that I just ended up hating because of the shape of the neck. (laughs) I don't know that that's old old school. I, I think that that's just good it makes a lot of good sense. buying yeah i mean yeah. you could read about it all day long but the the truth is same manufacturer same year right off the line together they can be completely different because yeah. a lot of guitars are still made by hand factory mm-hmm. made instruments and they're they're tweaked by hand they're sanded and so they they can feel quite well, and different that, that's the upside of getting a, a boutique guitar which is you can have them make it however the heck you want them to, and it's not going to be as probably uh, as much of a financial or time setback as as trying to go through a, a custom shop of a major yeah brand. Oh yeah, I mean I was I was out at um, at Fender's custom shop a year or two ago, mm-hmm. and they actually have a room um, that you can go in, and they've got basically every thickness and shape and whatever neck Mm -hmm. and all the different body styles and you can basically go through and kind of make a work order of a guitar if you wanted to order it that way and i think a lot of smaller builders are are kind of doing the same thing they may have oh this is the neck that i like to use on this guitar because it feels good and and so if there's some examples that they can play i think a, a good shop like that will have some uh some variables that you can actually put in your hand and try yep yeah, I uh, I've had several different style necks at any given time. I usually have a a, a and uh, you know enough that are coming in and out that I I don't have the luxury of going like I only play C shaped necks. You know, <laughs> like I don't I'm not that. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that. But I remember I had a uh, it was a sixty. 61 reissue the sg it was my silver one i think it was a 61 and i got i took when that arrived i got out of the box and i was like yes this is awesome and i was like what the hell and it was it was a baseball bat yep 
with strings on it. And I said, this sucks. Was that Epiphone? That was Epiphone that I sold at that show. Which, by the way, dude, if you're listening, um, I earned every penny of that sale because I had to... I've never tap danced as long as I did to sell this guitar. <laughs> I'm serious, man. It's like 40 minutes. I'm ta- I'm just I'm giving this guy the song and the dance to tell. Anyways, um, that that was a big neck guitar. It was a real big neck guitar. Yeah, that, that's um, not accurate to li- 61. Well, 60. Well, I might be misquoting be the name. It might be a. I don't know. It was but if it's a, you know like a late 50s, um, it was big. Yeah, I mean, late was, 50s are big. Gibson neck. It was a pro. So whenever the yeah. pros came out, yeah. Uh, anyways, I digress. The I do I do have um, one of the main reasons that I bought my double cutaway, the my Les Paul, which I love, is because I played Jared's and I said, "Whoa, I love the neck on this." Yeah, and fantastic. So I, I grabbed that, um, but my Telecaster, I got a, a Nashville Deluxe, the 60th anniversary, and I mean that neck is is so great on it. I just love it and it's weird it's like when you when you pick something up and it and it and it has the right neck yeah yeah i you know the new acoustic the art and luthery that i got oh my gosh if i could have that neck on every guitar i'd be (laughs) i honestly i'd be thrilled i love it yeah it's it's it makes you want to play it and if and if and as soon as you pick something up that isn't that or that gives you some kind of like eh, you know it's a little it's a little slidey it's a little the lacquer's kind of goofy on it, or or that's another thing too. I mean, now you can get the necks that are the satin finish. Oh yeah, we didn't talk the about lacquer that. finish. Yeah, and you could tell all that. That's a big game changer. Yeah, yeah. That's no. that's another feature that yeah can really. I, I know a Just lot of finish. people who will take a gloss finish neck. Yeah, and sand it down. Yeah, I did it that up. on my on my Telecaster, but that's also it's a maple neck. So it's got it already had relatively light lacquer on it um but i also tried that <laughs> so this this is where this is where todd uh, likes the jalopy things and doesn't always do them right <laughs> so i got the the special and the first thing i did because i like my fender so much when i you know just kind of you know uh, put the rub on it a little bit and and deglossed it i tried that and it ended up going horribly wrong and was just, it, it was gouged and it was gummy. And I took it over to Chase or Chasing Vintage Guitars and he is like, oh, geez, what, what happened? I said, oh, man, I don't know. Whoever did this was a dope. Right. <laughs> Jared did it. And he, yeah, blame and, it on Jared. And he ended up repolishing the whole thing out to where it's beautiful. I mean, it's like a mirror finish. Yeah. So it's like, it's great. However, if I was going to just say, look, I'm never going to get rid of this guitar, I don't think I will, but I would probably opt to take it down to, you know, wood with a light finish, just a super, like, just a spritz of nitro on the back. But mm-hmm. it's got poly on it, and I think that that has something to do with the, it had gummy. Which guitar? This is the Les Paul uh, special double cutaway. That's That's a... That's a so nitro finish. Uh, it's, too th- it's not a, it's not a vintage. I know it's a newer guitar. Yeah, they're still shooting nitro with a lot of plastic, plasticizer. Yeah. a lot of plasticizer. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. I had a 1977 uh, Gibson Les Paul custom, uh, black, except for the back of the neck. It was totally wore down to the wood, mm. 
And in retrospect, I loved it, man. I, I, it was a great feeling neck. Uh, the guitar, you know, it, it was heavier than boat anchor, <laughs> but all the finish wore down. It, if, if you close your eyes, you could barely tell the difference between the finish and the wood because it, you know, cause so many, it's been played so many times that it was just wore down to a certain point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's it's in my opinion it's not easy to replicate that. No. No sandpaper or no. It uh, it, it takes actual wear. Yeah. I mean I I I've had instruments and some of my my favorite ones are ones that people have just played the hell out of. Right. And you can tell the frets are gone. Natural uh, wear down. Yeah. Man. And and somebody pl- loved that guitar enough to to play it like mad right loved it up yeah and and those are still very cool guitars they sometimes take a lot of maintenance sure um but uh i willie nelson's I'm, trigger i'm just really surprised though so okay so you know you're talking about the sort of a naked neck and yeah. like i was mentioning the art luther uh that i got is no has got no finish on it now obviously it must have some light kind of finish on it but for all intent and purpose it is a naked neck and um you know zero wear but when i picked it up and played it it, it was like it was just like silk it was mm-hmm. it was so playable and it just made me instantly want to keep playing it yeah by contrast like your beautiful guitar that you have there is like heavily lacquered and yeah. that's something to, to me that i uh, like I don't dig a whole lot, right? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that more guitar builders don't do, I guess, quote unquote, naked necks right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. The Godin that I had before, which is the, the you know, the, the hollow body, uh, had a naked neck on it. And, and again, that was another one that I loved. With so many people trying to do that and knowing that a, such a desirable state of a neck is to have something like, you know the finish worn off. I'm just surprised that that there aren't m- more brands that are going for an unfinished neck altogether. It would save them a little bit of finishing too, right? Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of material. Well, no, I mean, I don't know. what, I mean, what is the point back, of putting a, the finish on there? Well, I mean, if you go back to you know the crazy '80s with you know a lot of the Charvels and Kramers, yeah, they, and things, they were all naked. they were they were naked necks. I mean, yeah. unfinished. Because a lot of players at the time wanted that feel. I think the kind of middle of the road that most manufacturers have, have come up with is the satin finish. Yeah. So they use a thin finish. A lot it's, of fenders do that now. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I. Deans do that too. I still prefer, I don't know what it is. There's something about a gloss finish to me that feels right. Yeah. But that's all I've ever really played. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause you're. I might have to figure out something, playing, to, right? something to do with that Almost, special. Yeah. That actually more than oof. More never than, mind. Never mind. <laughs> I, I need a professional satinizer. <laughs> well, I, I think, there you go. I think again, this you know goes back to if you are looking for something very specific, uh, most boutique builders will be able to accommodate that. Yeah, or a really good. Or somebody, guy, yeah. You know. I mean, and, and it's really not that difficult. You come over to the shop sometime. We'll we'll try. Well, it with I did some that. I, yeah, I did that with my with my Fender. But like I said, I, I did the exact same thing mm-hmm. on this one. And whoever did it really did a bad job. Well, I will say this <laughs> about newer uh, Gibson finishes, at least that I've seen. 
um, a lot of them stay really soft for yeah. a really long time and they get gummy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of it is uh, the additives that they're required to put in uh, to the nitro lacquer to make it OSHA approved and EPA right. approved and that sort of thing. So, you know, the nitro finishes of today are not like nitro finishes no, of the 1950s. They're probably illegal. Yeah. Yeah. They probably would be at this point in time. Mm, so interesting. So yeah, but I, what 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 happened with yours is not unusual. I don't think. Yeah. So we started off with shape, and we kind of went into finish. But um, I have another couple questions back to shape real quick before we move on ski. Um, aside from just preference of someone saying, "Oh, I like the way that feels." Um, <laughs> Can we attribute those shapes to any specific technique, playability? Uh, Good question. You know, I, I, it feels like that there's a reason, like that uh, old swing style guitars, you know, parlor guitars, stuff like that, might have had big V-neck shapes versus, yeah. you know, uh, like a a Dean dime, which has got like no neck on it. It's just, just you know. Yeah, that's a shredder neck. Right, yeah. with hardly any meat. Right. That's, yeah, so, and that's so I'm getting that into b- 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 yeah. Besides someone saying, and a satin sh- finish. I want it to feel like that. You know, let's talk about why those things are shaped, or why, like somebody like Stevie might have, you know, uh, a, 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 compound. A, a compound neck, or other players. Yeah, I think you know. The, well, I, I think the the V shaped neck probably stems. I mean, that's probably the oldest shape. Is probably easiest to cut with manual tools. Um, yeah, well, the F shape, the F shape neck didn't really fly. No, you kept <laughs> getting caught right there on the right on the palm of your hand. It yeah. hurts, really hurts, really bad. Yeah. What? But the but what the, the V, um, the I, I guess the the biggest advantage to it is you can kind of plant your thumb on one side of mm-hmm. the V on the on the base side of the V if you're you know playing that way. And um, and then that gives you kind of an anchor point to let your fingers walk around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thinner necks for people who are just you know playing really fast runs and and uh, and not really hitting the strings hard, um, that lends itself more to that. I think rhythm players tend to like. So so for example, if you've got a shredder neck and you're and you're letting your guitar hang low. You, that is a painful way to hold your guitar because at that point you're having to help balance the guitar with your thumb, which is now pressed firmly up against almost nothing. Yeah. As opposed to if you're, if you have that up high, your thumb is not necessarily having to help balance the guitar because your, 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 the rest of your body and everything is, is yeah. helping to compensate, and, and that's, you, that's, you can kind of let your fingers kind of yeah. do the, the rest. That, that's a, that's actually a totally different subject, but it does come into play because I think rock and roll players love to, you know, have guitars Fling it low slugs. and let it go, baby. That's right, right. And it really is an unnatural playing Explore. position. Yeah, it's completely. But, it, it, <laughs> but then you know, you look rad. at you know, <laughs> one of my favorite pictures is an old pictures of the, of the Kinks and. Uh, uh, Dave Davis is playing uh, a flying V, 
and he's got his hand between the the two the, yeah. the part of the V. So <laughs> yeah. he, he's got it strapped up on his chest, and he's playing well, that's where it that they way. Played it. Yeah. Old, and then they, monster, the guitars yeah. were up where their chests were. <laughs> but yeah. but they need to peek but, over but, their guitars. Yeah, but truth be told, that is probably a more natural playing position. Yeah. Um, well, but they were. I think they were also taking it to stylistic extremes. If you, if you look at the early Stones, like early Keith. With the with the with his there's can't remember what uh, footage it was, but he's playing an I believe an Epiphone. It might have been a Gretsch, and he's playing it almost like Johnny Cash style with his elbow straight out the back, like <laughs> the the horn of the guitar was almost under his chin. You know, I'm like that is ridiculous. They all played him there. I, yeah, I'm just saying. Like I think. Maybe they, the straps were shorter back I then. I feel like it was a style. I think <laughs> I feel like that that was a as much of a stylistic as approach as slinging it low. Like, you know, okay. Slash isn't going to play his guitar up high. Right? Can He's you imagine Slash it. coming out with a Les Paul held <laughs> way up here? But at the time, you know that the whole mod thing, uh, you know, that was very much in a play. So there was this. I, I think that was a stylistic thing. Okay. To be honest. Okay. But if if any of the uh, if Keith wants to call it, let us know what he thinks. About it wasn't anything to do with style. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, um, so we're back to con- let's go to so so back to the shape um, again. The V shape. I think a lot of lead players, especially more bluesy lead players, yeah. I think like that because you anchor your thumb and it gives you a little leverage for your fingers. A little f- for I think vibrato and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think shredders like a very almost non-neck, right? Non-existent so they can just let their fingers float over the strings. Yeah. I think rhythm players like C-shaped necks. Yeah. And also D-shaped necks. Sometimes they like a little more, you know, ball badish. Yeah. Uh, feel but then there's it. a shallow D too, which I think it's a, it's a flatter back of the neck. Yeah. It's, it's so it's so, shallow but flat. Yeah, so straight off the fretboard, curve, 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 flat bottom. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of those, but I have seen a Wait, few. Wait, what? I have not seen a lot of those. <laughs> Where I, I see a <laughs> lot of them. I have not seen a lot of those, but I have. But I have seen a few. <laughs> Mr. Contra. Yeah. <laughs> He's our, you're our own Yogi Berra. Um, but uh, I, I see a lot of those, um, and, and I, this comes to mind because I've, I've purchased and gotten rid of a number of old uh, Guild 12 strings. Mm-hmm. They have double truss rods in them. And that was one of the reasons for the shape. Right. To accommodate the truss rods. Oh, interesting. Okay. Or the, the That's dual where truss that made it, it became from. Interesting. Yeah. And then the compound is just a, I would imagine, just a personal preference. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, it depends. I mean, it could be you might have a V on the first five frets and then it kind of wor- morphs its way into a little bit flatter and rounder towards yeah. the top end of the neck. And again, personal preference. Um, where I see most of those are. Or are, are on guitars that people have modified themselves. Yeah, interesting. Um, so. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, I think we can safely say that that is covered. Shape. Shape is covered. Check. Fretboard. Right? Let's talk fretboards. Okay. Well, actually, we have scale next. Scale. Oh, scale. Okay. In the order that scale. we started the anatomy. Okay. All right. Scale we'll them do back scale. a little bit. Do scale. Let's do the scale. So um, let's talk about scale. We talked in the intro. We talked a little bit about the, the the most common ones that are out there. And again, a lot of this has to do with personal preference too. Right. Um, and so okay, let me ask the, maybe this is the elephant in the room or the most obvious question that 
everybody else knows, but why? So if, if we think about the two, the two big guys at the time, Benner oh Gibson. my gosh, I've been handling this pen and there's ink all over me. <laughs> <laughs> so Fender and Gibson. It's not on the chair. Okay. It's yeah. just all over me. Oh, that's stupid. Okay. Yeah. So you got Fender and Gibson. <laughs> Just, don't, don't be blue, Todd. Yeah, blue ink <laughs> everywhere. I'm oh my a, God. Yeah. Okay, so you it's got Fender and Gibson, and, and someone, one of them says, I'm going to do it this way. And the other was like, pish posh, I'm doing it this way. Because they're that good. Was yeah. it kind of a sales thing? Was it kind of a, I don't want to be like those guys, so I we better just... That's a, that, that's a really good question. Add I, a I little know. bit to the scale so I, we can have our own scale. I don't know if that... I don't know what went into that. Was it tone? I mean, wasn't uh, Leo well, Fender very specific and very intricate and careful about how he built those guitars, even though he really wasn't a guitar player? No, and, and it could be something as silly as that's... Why do I keep playing with this damn pen? <laughs> it's poison. <sighs> okay. His poison pen. Um, I mean, it could be something as silly as those were the measurements that he had on right. the scale length. I mean, at the time... I mean, most Gibsons. But you're also talking, okay, let's talk about maybe I'm going to ask this question. Does the bridge versus the tailstop bridge have anything to do with with the scale at that point? Because, yeah. no? No. I mean, I, I, the only thing I could think of. I'm just trying to think of the, the back anatomy there, you know? I got you. I, I think that longer scale length guitars tend to be brighter. And Leo was all about bright. Yeah. From the pickups to the amps. He did a good everything. job. He wanted bright. Now, some of it can also stem from, you know, uh, there were a lot of lap steels and things at the time. And it may have it may have just been, I've got this cutting template based off of this scale length that was on this lap steel that I've been making for the last three or four years. I'm just going to do it on guitars. Mm. I mean, I, 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 I don't have the right answer, and I'm sure someone out there does. So if you do know the answer, post it. We welcome your commentary. Facebook. On Facebook groups. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, disclaimer, nobody in here is a professional know-it-all. So the whole point of doing this is to learn from each other and yeah. to talk about if, things. If we're it. wrong about something, please chirp about it on, on our Facebook group. Yeah, that, that's that's actually a really good question. I've, I'll have to. I, have to I mean, it's got to be. You know, maybe there's no reason at all. I don't know. You can ask Google. Google. No, <laughs> Google doesn't know anything. <laughs> but uh, but but, so uh, in terms of scale length, so the shorter the scale length, mm -hmm. the smaller the number, the easier the same set of strings will feel on. So at the, you have to remember at the time in the 40s and 50s, the strings were pretty thick. Strings were like. 12s, yeah. you know, yeah. 12 to 52 was kind of wound standard, thirds. wound thirds. Right. And um, so I think one of the reasons that a lot of companies went to a, sh a slightly shorter scale length is to make the guitar play better. Okay. Um, now that has, you know, changed into um, lighter gauge strings feeling even slinkier mm -hmm. on the same, same kind of neck. No circle R on that. No circle R. <laughs> but um but but then uh you know fender as they were developing student models 
things like the Duasonics and Music Masters and Mustangs. Student, just for shorter oh. arms. Oh, for, smaller, for smaller, smaller kids. People, shorter yeah, smaller arms. people. No, I want to mention Gibson also had some shorter scale juniors. Yes, they did. They so, did. I didn't want to leave them out. Yeah, yeah, they did. They, they had their student models. Right. And again, at the time, um, there's some really great pictures out there uh, that I've stumbled on. But, you know, it's like these classrooms filled with kids playing these really cool, cool guitars. Oh, yeah. man. And, you know, I would just, you know, kill to have this back in the 1950s or whatever. Yeah. And they're, you know, it, but but that was kind of a, you know, they guitar companies had salesmen that went around the country or distributors that went and they would go to schools and they say, well, we've got these amps and guitars. Your kids are going to want to play them. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, and that that especially happened in the in you know when the Beatles hit America uh, from in 1964 I think was probably the biggest sales year for uh, guitar companies ever, mm-hmm. and because every kid wanted to play guitar, they and wanted so, to be a Beatle. You know, by by Christmas 1964, I mean that there was a guitar and an amp under every Christmas sure. tree. That's how my dad got going. So um, so a lot of companies then tailored these shorter scale lengths to that. Now, that also, uh, they made specific models, like Fender made the Jaguar that used that same 24-inch neck. What it enabled them to do was to put an extra fret at the end of the fretboard. So instead of 21 frets, Jaguars have 22. So Hey, save that for the fret stuff. (laughs) But it's the truth. I mean, on the same length of a neck, they were able to add an extra fret and that's just like saying, hey, I've got an extra fret. Right. Sells, I got 89 keys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, anyways. Um, Why is that funny? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Because we've been doing this too long. I know. Um, so, I, had, I did um, have a point. I did have a point I was trying to get. Oh, so what What I wanted to, to touch on was you've mentioned string gauge a couple times and i think there i didn't know until actually very recently and i've been playing guitar a long time i didn't know that there is you know if you've got if you've got a you know quote unquote a gibson scale or a fender scale that you might not want to be using those tens on that or you might not want to be using those nines or elevens on that right right uh, I just was always under the impression that, like, you play what you like to play, right? Which anybody, nobody's going to argue with that if you just say, hey, man, play what you like to play. That's, that's an, you know, infallible argument. Mm-hmm. I think that's right, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I, I mean, truth be told. But in theory, if you use, if you get, if you put tens on a Fender and tens on a Gibson, the tens on a Gibson are going to be floppier. Yes. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. But enough to notice a difference. So, so, but that comes into play when we're talking about action and stuff and people are like, ah, why do I have to raise my, you know, stuff up so high or I'm getting fret buzz, but I'm wearing, I got the same strings and I've got the, almost the same height as on my fender. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and I've run into that and that's always kind of perplexed me. And then I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. What I do is I, I've got twenty plus guitars at home, so I don't. The last thing I want to do is compare. What I do is I take each guitar out, 
and I figure out exactly what Sounds feels good again. for that one guitar. Mm-hmm. I, I don't compare them and all that kind of thing. And, and it all depends what that neck shape is. It all depends how high the frets are. And it all depends what kind of gauge strings there are. There's so many variables to go along with, you know, the perfect setup for your interest. Um, In theory, though, like, and and I'm not I'm not saying that this is a right or wrong way. There are few things in the guitar world that are right or wrong. Very few. Yeah. Right. Um, but if we're talking, if we're saying, look, scientifically by the textbook. You should you have a set of tens, a set of elevens. The set of elevens should go on a jazz guitar, <laughs> a shorter scaling, <laughs> a shorter scaling. So you got it's you true, you though. got you've got your Telecaster and you right. got your Les Paul. Yeah, you got a set of tens and you got a set of elevens. Right. The shorter the 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 scale. Yes. The heavier the gauge string in theory. Yeah. To make it not floppy. Yeah, right. I, I think we, I talked about so this. So nines on Les Paul is kind of like, what are you doing? Right? Don't get me started. Now, th- I, that is purely argument. I by no means am saying you shouldn't do that. Some guys use eights, man. I, <laughs> Some guys use seven and a halfs. What? Are there seven and a halfs? Yeah, that's... Uh, Oh, stop. That guy from, making... from ZZ Top. Uh, what's his name? Billy uh, Gibbons? Oh, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, now, you, you know what? Angus Young plays really light strings too. Uh, he plays super light. You strings. know what's funny about Billy Gibbons? Now that you brought him up, he likes Fender guitars with that shorter Gibson scale. Ah, and he has uh, a f- mutual friend of our build uh, ah. build him like that. Interesting. Interesting. Well, anyways, well here's. Uh, what I have been doing it's lately. It's more of an, an information thing because when, yeah. when you start, you know, if you're starting to read things on the forum, uh, you know, on the, on the internet forums yeah. and people are throwing out things like, oh, you need to use this gauge for this scale length and stuff. And you're scratching your head like, wait, why? Yeah. That's why. Well, so so what I have been doing probably for the last couple of years is on my, I like 10s on my Fender scale length guitars. Mm-hmm. I like 11s on my Gibson scale lengths. And then if I have, like I've got some Jags and other short scale like Mustang type guitars and I like 12s on those. So to me, what it does is if you jump from guitar to guitar to guitar, they all feel about the same even though the strings are slightly thicker on the shorter scale lengths. And and that's just something that I just kind of stumbled on years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, prior to that, I'd say, well, I, I got tens on this and I'd put tens on everything. And, you know, that not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think if you sw- are playing live and you switch guitars from song to song or whatever, you want to have a consistent feel. I think having stringing your guitars up way, like that is, is a good way to go. It's interesting because I would I would almost say that if I if I been handed a guitar. So like a, I've got a couple different guitars for, you know, f- that's for the band that I'm in. And I would want those handed to me <laughs> with from my not guitar tech. <laughs> and by handed to me, I mean going off and saying, let me grab my other guitar really quick. <laughs> uh, getting that. And to me, the, I would want the strings to feel the same, not necessarily the, the tension, I think. I don't know, but that's just me. You know, different guitars and different feels, different gauge strings, that's never really bothered me. Uh, personally, it's 
In fact, I don't. I welcome a little change during the night. During the, during the gig. <laughs> oh, careful there, <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. During the gig, during playing, <laughs> I'll go from you know a set of nines on this guitar to a set of tens on the next guitar. The next thing, I, I, personally, I, you know, it, it's all about you your like own little personal guitars, preference. Thin strings, skinny necks. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> And it's just so funny. I got a couple of 50 so prof- I got some profiles. <laughs> 50 profile necks yeah. that are. Do you use really big. tiny hammers at home? <laughs> <laughs> you, I do in my shop. I got a tiny hammer. I use it in my shop all day. It's got a tiny uh, handle. Anyways, okay. <laughs> Is that um, what the kids are calling I'm not going to pick days? up this <sighs> pen that's exploded all over me. Um, yeah. All right, so that's scale. Check. Scale. Let's check. What's on? What's Radius. Next? Radius. Okay. We touched a little bit on it, but... We're talking about fretboard radius. Fretboard radius. So the top where the frets lie. Fretboard or fingerboard? You can call it either. I'm just asking. A lot of um, what I would call standards, things like uh, that Gibson has used over the years, they've been pretty consistent, and they stay pretty flat. It's about a 12-inch radius. So... If you think about it, if you had a 12-inch circle mm-hmm. and you'd lobbed off a fraction of that, a fraction of it, say two and a half, three inches, yeah, that's the radius of the of the um, of the fretboard. Um, a lot of players like a flatter board. A lot of lead players, I should say, like a flatter board because yeah. and you can bend strings better or whatever. A lot of rhythm players like uh, a rounder board. So uh, a lot of the vintage uh, Fender guitars had a, a seven and uh, seven and a quarter radius. Um, yeah. Most modern Fenders have a nine and a half. So it's kind of midway between the vintage style and something as flat as a Gibson. So let's talk about that really quick. I do not play leads. Okay. <laughs> I play rhythms. I like a little bit more radius yeah. because Your my fingers. hand naturally curved so i don't get fret buzz if i'm doing like a bar chord which i bar chord myself to death and if it's too flat then it's just like you're you're gonna get gaps and you're gonna get buzz yeah theoretically yeah i do i don't have flat double jointed hands (laughs) (laughs) you don't get ink in your eye oh i know (laughs) damn it just don't make me touch my the top of my lip. Um, okay, so and then if you're if you've got a fr- uh, uh, a flatter board, which is better for you know running all the crazy arpeggios yeah. and business yeah. like that. Yeah, I think that's a, that, and that's that's really what it boils down to. I mean, uh, as we said earlier, a lot of classical instruments have a very, I mean, a perfectly flat fretboard. Right, and uh, because that style of of playing involves more fingering as opposed to bar cording. Or oh whatever yeah, you want to do. yeah. Um, so <laughs> because he said fingering, no, because he go, oh yeah, oh, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. he said fingering. <laughs> He's my friend from Minnesota. I know. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Well, it's true, man. Those guys are just just going a million miles per hour yeah. on those flamenco guitars, yes. whatever they are. We were talking about radius. We were talking about radius. I think, I mean, and again, that that can be something that's a very, you know, one, the style of music that you're playing, and two, 
how it actually feels in your hand. Right. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about the big two radiuses for, for Fender versus Gibson. Fenders tend to be rounder. So a little rounder. A vintage yeah. style is seven and a quarter. A, mo- a modern style is nine and a half. And it, most Gibson fretboards are 12 inch radius, which is flatter. So radius it. radius is a smaller conversation there. It's just identifying what it is. Yeah, and I think again, it's 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 personal preference, right? And how but it feels most in your importantly, hand. yes, radius matters when you are at home setting up your guitar and you are trying to get your action right. Yes, and you have a tunematic bridge yes. or whatever kind of bridge saddles you have. Radius is important because if you don't adjust those correctly to the radius you can get yourself into a little bit of uh well, you, trouble. I, I think what You're, todd is trying to say is the radius at the bridge should, should match, match the, the radius, radius of the, of neck. the finger, fingerboard oh, oh of course it should or come actually well, well it's not I, I know you're saying of course it should you know a lot of you you know a lot about guitars and i'm like that's eh. not something that everybody knows i don't know everything about them no I mean, in theory, it it actually should flatten out a little bit as you get to the bridge. Yeah. Um, because that's what a, that's what a neck does. I mean, you can measure all the way up and down the neck, and it's going to average. Yeah. Well, you're nine and you're, a half or you're uh, or whatever. But if you've got a highly radius neck and you go completely flat in the back, yeah, that's going to be weird. And that's yeah. why Fender had the the vintage stagger on their single coil pickups in the very beginning, mm-hmm. because yep. they would you know they would help out the radius deal there. Well, they had that, and then it also the the, um, the G string that was is louder. It, it was the D, I believe. I forget which one. One of the strings ended up being louder, so they would always the sink. Oh, okay, it was B. the B. It was so down, they would they would, would sink down, down low, low, yeah, that magnet lower to yep. kind of balance out the yeah, because so, that's just a natural so string. If you're looking at your at your pickups and your poles are some are high, some are low, just leave them. <laughs> yeah, don't try well, to fix them <laughs> unless you have the screws, which yeah. I have adjusted the screws on mine before. Yeah. There's a whole that's a whole what other. What some people thing. do is they they plug their guitar in one of those uh, sound wave things, and it could you can actually see how much louder one string is than the next, and you can adjust your your pickup pull height if it's adjustable. Mm-hmm. I would uh, change to that, that too. What few people do is plug their guitar into an to us to an oscillator <laughs> you, you're right you people do that <laughs> I, I had a customer do that my oscilloscope out and we'll take a look at this i had a customer do that and I've, give me the heights of where he wanted wow his jazz bass that's impressive there. that's anal retentive <laughs> and i i did it i nailed it perfect the guy was like i can't believe you did this this is cool. oh, that's cool yeah nice plug that was uh frets brandon wow Again, another personal preference. I mean, in general, I think some people really, really, really like vintage Fender, very thin, fairly medium we're, height. And when we're saying very thin, from um, skinny, 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 skinny. Yeah, also known as thin, but they're called thin or thick. I get it. Yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to give everybody a, you know. So, yeah. So the actual width. Not from E to E, but not, from not length. From, from from nut to bridge, <laughs> right? <laughs> is is actually very narrow. Yeah. Um, Gibsons traditionally have a wider, right, or fatter, 
right uh fret and much lower right uh the so called flat on top yeah the so called fretless wonders of yeah. of the 1950s and 60s mm. those you know gibsons were I don't known. know if they started out flat but most of the ones that i've seen are kind of yeah. flattish they actually did start out i mean that was that was a big selling point for gibson i think yeah. is because i mean they they also wore out faster but while the the frets were still good, they played really fast. Yeah. I mean, they were very easier to much easier to play yeah. than say a, a comparable Fender guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know, as the ruts start wearing into frets and things like that, they they're a little more difficult to refret. So let's talk about ruts. Why, if you're buying, so if you're buying a used guitar and and you're like, hey, this is great, uh, but what's up with these frets and why are they all gouged? <laughs> When I look at a guitar and I see one that has a lot of fret wear, it's usually in first position. Uh, well, yeah, because that's where you play all the chords. First five frets. Yeah. And usually you see most of the wear on fret one and two and three. I Very mean, happy. if they haven't been filed down, you can usually get one or two uh, dressings out of a set of frets. It, it just it plays great now. Well, they play <laughs> great bit. because it's like, like the fretless wonder. I mean, you're basically taking the frets way, way down. Take it to a luthier, guys, before you get it refretted. Make sure you can't get it dressed first, unless you really have to have different frets. And I and I would strongly discourage someone, uh, 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 someone who doesn't know a lot about guitar repair, to try to right. level frets themselves. It, yeah, you'll you'll take it to a reputable guy. So <laughs> let's talk about material, nickel, stainless. I would. I would I would encourage people to not go with stainless steel frets. Um, What's the big difference? The big difference is wear. A stainless steel yeah, fret no. will wear better, but it is also very difficult to level because it's a very tough. It's a very hard metal. Yeah, you have to beat it in submission. Yeah, I mean, back in the old days, I mean, there were thing. I mean, there were some inexpensive instruments that had brass frets mm-hmm. yeah. uh, silver tones and things like that you know basically low-end models and those things just i mean you'd play them for a week and they'd run out so i'm curious like nickel uh i mean they wear hard i'm surprised well, that there's not some it's 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 actually german silver is is pr- the predominant uh fret material oh which is um which is uh what is German silver? It is a combination of. Uh, I should know this. It's not coming to my brain okay. right now. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now there are some. You know, there's plating on 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 steel frets that uh, much like strings. Um, but but yeah, I I think German silver is the predominant material that's used okay. on, on on high end frets. Okay. But you can you know again if it's something. That is that you're able to, that a luthier is able to file down, level out, redress, polish out. Mm-hmm. It will make the guitar play better. Um, you just have to be careful with some materials that are too soft. Mm-hmm. And and again, I know a lot of people out there probably have tried or like uh, the stainless steel frets. Um, I've not heard very good things about them, mm-hmm. so I, I've never really used them. So let's talk about what why. What what's the problem with having you know gouges or flattened frets? What it, it, you get a you get a great guitar. Play, I mean, it won't play in tune. Okay, I mean, generally speaking, when you get to that fret, um, because 
in order for a fret to really, I mean, as as close as you can on a on an imperfect instrument, which a guitar is, it's not unless you have fanned frets or you know the some crazy types of things. Scalloped. A, a guitar does not play in tune all the way okay. up and down the neck. But um, the closest that you can get is if you had as close to a a, a point to the uh, that's at the center point of the fret wire, that will give you the most accurate note that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the problems you run into is as you file them down or mow them down, is that point becomes less and Too less broad. Yeah. So. And so you're giving you're getting varying contact points. And and it's it's you may you know, throw it out a little tiny bit, but I mean a a really good player can work around that. They can hear when things are going sharp or flat, changing the pressure, how much finger pressure they're actually putting on the fret. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, my opinion is you try to have it set up and use materials that get you the, as close as possible for the average player to to play in tune. Gotcha. If there's ruts and things in the frets, uh, even if you can mow them down a little bit to level them out, you're sacrificing some note accuracy. Right. So when we hear the terms jumbo frets, that's, you know, or I did adjust my headphones. Probably those are, those are both wide yeah. and tall. Right. Big ones. Biggins. Biggins. And the advantage of playing that? Um, <laughs> you have to have a really light touch to play them I, I, if i play a guitar with jumbo frets i i go sharp every time because i'm I've, i put too you're much pressing finger, down i press down too hard okay so that's an interesting thing because if you're playing like power rock you're you know you're you're i put a lot of pressure on on mine and i will notice sometimes you know we'll just like <laughs> you know um I think capos come into play a lot of times there, adjusting, you know, getting the right pressure on a capo because mm-hmm. you, you'll go, you know, sharp pretty easily. Yeah. Um, any Interesting. Okay. Anything else we're covering on necks that we haven't forgotten? I'm doing the Jared right now. I'm holding Dude, both Well, we still want to talk a little bit about material, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, because there is... Um, there is a, a, a big difference, in my opinion, on the type of wood, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be maple, uh, whether it be this is I'm talking fingerboards now, mm-hmm. uh, maple, rosewood, rosewood, or ebony. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a number of other materials that are all similar. Kinds, all kinds are coming out now. Can yeah. you tell a difference between rosewood and Brazilian rosewood? Um, I think there is a difference. Tone wise, tone wise, yeah. Uh, I've played both types of instruments. Indian rosewood is primarily what is used today. Uh, a lot of it comes, I think, it might come from Madagascar too, but it's termed Indian rosewood as opposed to tropical or South American uh, sure. rosewood, like Brazilian rosewood. Indian's easier to say. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. A lot of it came from India primarily. Okay. Um, I, I think as the, I mean, what I've noticed is the harder the wood, the brighter the sound. Right. Um, and the less oily the wood, because I think ebony is probably the oiliest wood that you'll you'll get out there. Rosewood somewhere in between, and maple is not oily at all. I think the but more ebony is super dense. It's very dense. Um, 
and it sounds darker to okay. me. I think out of the three, Ebony's probably darkest, Maple is probably the brightest, and Rosewood sits somewhere in between. Um, and, there, and there's a lot of opinions on that, whether you go with a one-piece neck. That means is the actual neck and the fingerboard is all this one is piece. the same thing. Yeah, it's one. A lot of vintage one. fenders are like that. Yeah, like sure. 50s fenders. Right. Um, they shifted over to putting a cap on it, so it's more like a fingerboard. Slab board. Yeah. So, um, again, not everyone can hear a difference. Um, a lot of it has a, a difference in how it feels to your fingers, mm-hmm. especially if it has a finish on it. We've talked a little bit about, you know, Rickenbackers that have finish a glossy, on a, super a, a glossy rosewood yeah. finish, and and it's it's odd, but it it does you know it feels stratish, I guess you'd say, because like a finished strat board, maple board. No, so I would not like that. You probably <laughs> would not. <laughs> I mean, Rickenbackers, they buffed that thing <laughs> the, the, out. Who the what is it? Rickenbacker. Okay. So I, I guess in, in terms of the different materials. Redenbacker? <laughs> in terms of the different materials. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then, you know, that's fingerboards. You can go down to the, the actual neck material, which, you know, mahogany necks sound different than maple necks sound different than solid rosewood necks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it, there's, there's, there's a different tone out there for each type of, of wood. And again, it's personal preference. Sometimes, sometimes people like the way that it looks. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I mean, ultimately I, 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 I opt more for how it sounds. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about different tones and stuff, when you're talking about tones that are minimal in their difference, when you're, if you're guys, if you're playing something plugged in super loud with all kinds of pedals, you're not going to notice any no, difference, really. No. If you're up there on a stage with a little tiny amp and a and a crowd who's being very polite, and you're playing, you're you're just doing your little you know jazz or blues stuff. You probably can tell a difference. I think you notice the most difference on acoustic instruments. I mean, right. obviously that that yeah. all of the sound is coming from the wood in the guitar, right? Or even uh, you know jazz instruments, jazz boxes. Um, that's where I think you hear the biggest difference. Yeah. Electric guitars, not so much, but I think, you know, someone that's building a guitar. I feel like basses is where that is actually kind of like pronounced a little bit more. I think basses are, or bassists are, are a little more experimental. I think mm-hmm. some of the really cool designs and well, I just mean the difference between like uh, you know like a maple neck on a on a precision bass versus a rosewood neck on a precision bass. Yeah, I think that is almost rather audible to the general. Probably more so because person. of the spectrum of sound on a bass. Right. Yeah, you meant just and the percussive nature in that, in that yeah. case. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that. That's actually a very good example because thank you. You may not hear it on a guitar as much as on a bass instrument, but if you have, if you don't plug it in and you and you pluck a couple notes on a bass on either one of those, I think you would hear yeah a, a very audible difference. Yeah, even even plugged in, I think you hear a difference on a a, a maple necked instrument, P bass or J bass. Uh, versus essentially the same instrument with a rosewood neck. The rosewood neck is going to be just a little bit darker. Yep. Now I've got a couple of EBOs or EB3s, and we can compare those as well, and they have a shorter scale. They're actually the a shorter scale base uh, EB3, mm-hmm. and they designed them that way. And, and actually the neck is skinnier too. 
Uh, but they designed them that way, so... For schoolgirls? No, for... Oh. <laughs> and Jared. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm glad they did. <laughs> no, they they did design them for guitar players right. to play. Yeah, that's. And, I think that's true. And uh, that's their complete opposite than the, the P-Bass that I have that has the maple neck. It's all maple neck, the mm-hmm. Fender... One piece. And that's a wide neck, too. Mm-hmm. So we ought to check that out. Mm. Interesting. All right. Let's move on beyond the necks into... Would you rather... Very good. Good to have you back. Yeah. All righty. What is our would you rather? This week's would you rather. Let's uh, simplify things down to... One of the things we love to talk about around here, which are pedals. Would you rather use a MXR distortion? Plus. Plus. My eye was blurry for a second. <laughs> or would you rather use the good old trusty Ibanez tube screamer? All right. Jared, we've been hearing from Tony a lot. You do. You go. Ibanez tube screamer all day long. Why? I own one. Yes, but because I've never played an but MS. You don't Actually, have either one of those. You got to have, but you got to choose one of the two. Assuming it isn't because you I have played one. through an MXR Distortion Plus before. I do prefer the Ibanez Tube Screamer. It's more. I think you have more uh, the room for control. Control. That's exactly what I was getting at. I, basically, you have more control, in my opinion, because. Uh, as as I said with my what's going on with my week section, um, I like a tube screamer that's barely on. You know, and when you turn it on, I like the settings really low. Mm-hmm. And then I have another one with the settings really high. Well, I guess that's cheating. But I like the fact that you can put a little hair on the tone without just totally saturating it. Mm-hmm. That's why I prefer the tube screamer. All righty then. Hmm. Tony. Well, it depends on what type of neck I have I'm playing with. Yeah. If <laughs> <laughs> it has a truss rod in it, right? If it has a truss rod or not. <laughs> Here we go. You know, I'm gonna go. I, I do realize that the tube screamer is probably a little more well-rounded than mm-hmm. a distortion plus, but a distortion plus has a sound that I, you know, that, that was actually the very first pedal I ever bought was a, an MXR Distortion Plus. Oh, and okay. um, knowing what I know now, I probably, I would have hated to be in the audience when I was using that <laughs> thing <laughs> because it was, I mean, it was bright and it was, you know, playing through the wrong kind of amp and that sort of thing. Did you have a but, Stratocaster or something? No, I, strat- I, I, I played, I played through a jack. reverb deluxe. <laughs> well, not too far <laughs> off. <laughs> it was, a, it was, it was, it was bright. Yeah, and, and you know, you know, I think you certainly realize now when you go to see bands uh, when someone on stage doesn't realize how bright an amplifier is. Oh my god! And how painful that can be. Ice picky. And then when you throw a distortion plus into the mix, yeah. so. Um, It'll be a qualified use of a distortion plus with probably not turning the distortion up as high as it can go. As it can go. Right. <laughs> so that's what I'm going with. I'm going with MXR. 
simply because I don't know the tube screamer thing. I I just was it is it too doesn't do it for me. Why? It just doesn't. I I don't think it has very much personality. <laughs> I don't. I know. I know that's crazy because everybody's like, dude, all he needs a tube screamer. You know, because they're so just, they're so maybe on principle because so everybody's. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I don't think they're so common. You just, that's what I'm. Yeah, I don't. It's I don't, too normal. I don't know, but I don't like the sound. I had a tube screamer, and I'm just like, I I tried to like it. I tried to like it twice. And I did. You I heard don't. a little bit of the two screamer because it was a mini two screamer. And I had a I had a big one before. Yeah, <laughs> but th- that's the exact same circuit actually. Anyways, um, <laughs> the MXR I just I like stuff more on, typically. So so you would keep that on as opposed to coloring for a lead or something like that. Yep. Yeah. I would just I would just go. You're mm. entitled to your opinion. Yes, indeed. And I like the size of the box too. I like the MXR size box, and I like saying I don't need a tube screamer. You know what? I I use the tube screamer for an enhancer mm-hmm. for the distortion. That's you know for the gain turned up on the amp. I I enhance my distortion with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I wanted a full on balls, I would go MXR all the way. Yeah. But, well, I'm not saying using it like that, but I tend to. You know, I, I don't know. Just I that's that's where that's what I would do. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing that. So there. Oh, okay. Holy moly. I learned stuff. I hope you guys did out there listening to our drivel. That was a drivel. lot of Tony, man. Thank you. Tony, the big star of the show. Yep. Much just gracias. <laughs> hey everybody. We just want to thank our executive producers for their support of our podcast. Uh, we've got some, we've got some new people and stuff. It's great. Hello to Robin Smith. Hello. Yo. Thank you. Just joined. Derek Fitzer, Pete Marshall, Carlos Mancha, Matt Brammer, David Wolfson, Martin Cliff, and Tom Brazen. The first one. Thank you guys so much. You, you color our lives spectacularly. Uh, if you would like to become an executive producer, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs to find out how. Guys, this was super fun. I love learning new stuff. I really do. It was a good time. I love yeah. learning it with you guys. It's yeah. fun. They're and all of you out there, please give us a holler on our Facebook group. Uh, it's it's a ton of fun hearing from you guys and all over the world. It's super Super fantastic. It's just great. Yeah. Hit us know. up on... Uh, Subscribe! Yeah. Al Miola. How do you say his name? Al Demiliola. We'll, 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 we'll edit what? this this part, right? <laughs> For the record, it's Al Demiola. Al Who is not a, a flamenco guitar player. But anyways, <laughs> we shall move forward. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.